Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to talk about things you didn't know about WWE in 2016. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamper to talk about his list, 10 things you didn't know about WWE in 2016. I thought this might be a nice one to do. I know you've been doing a series of these, but considering it's a nice, just my brain works like this, a nice numerical five years ago, to go back to 2016 was nice. Uh, tell me a little bit about this series that you've been doing on the site and your memories of 2016 in WWE, Hamlet. Well, I don't know if this is just me projecting as I reach my senior years, but that's one of the reasons why I was keen to do the series. I think there's um, a lot to mine from the 2010s um, that either wasn't talked about at the time or has been largely forgotten because of the speed of like the way that news travels and the, just the content churn that we have in on our website and on other websites. And indeed from WWE, things move so fast that like what's some insane story one week is virtually forgotten the next um, and then as the years pass, the like this only multiplies because we just get more and more and more and more. So it's been really interesting for me as a fan to revisit and remind myself of some of the things I might have forgotten about or indeed just discover new things as I'm going, which was the case in this one. 2016, and I have been sort of working up from 2010, was one of my favourites because I'm not the kindest, as anyone that's listened to our, any of our podcasts before, to the 2010s. But I like 2016 a lot. I think there's a lot to like. I think there's a lot to grab onto about the year as a whole. Um, if only because all the optimism of 2015 in NXT was suddenly transposed onto the main roster in 2016. And we weren't yet to realise that this was all just a false dawn and that Vince McMahon would quickly see all these people as just like his son-in-law's failures instead of a different development of ter- territory's failures. He would just see them as prospects rather than the people like we the hardcore fan base had fallen in love with on NXT it was all obscured in 2016 it all looked with the splitting of the brands and with the inclusion of things like talking smack as wraparound content for Smackdown um a more vibrant undercard on Monday Night Raw um you know things like pushing Finn Balor and not realizing he was going to get injured and thinking should we just have him beat Roman Reigns and win the universal title like Mm -hmm. 
might that get somebody over? There just seemed a renewed sense of hope before, by I would say the middle of 2017, it was throttled out of us again. <laughs> I also love the contrast. As I said, this comes from whatculture.com. You can read the whole thing there of <laughs> your first sentence. 2016 WWE was sort of awesome with a picture <laughs> of Triple H winning the world title at the Royal Rumble. It wasn't all good. It wasn't all good. Uh, let's start in a place that I often like to start at when it comes to uh, what culture. I love a good real reason, news story or, or, or video package. Let's start with No Mercy because that was a weird... Uh, my nephew often has this where sometimes he'll have cereal for tea and, a you know, I don't know... <laughs> Three-course meal for bread. Not quite the same, but cereal for tea. And he calls it a topsy-turvy day. Uh, no mm. Mercy was a topsy-turvy pay-per-view, wasn't it? Because it, it finished, if I'm not mistaken, with the... Was it the Miz and Dolph Ziggler stuff? Was that that one? If only. It finished with the Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton match when it should have finished it. with the Miz and Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, it really, topsy-turvy is the word. Like, I like the comparison to this main event opening the show as night cereal, because night cereal is the best, isn't it? Oh, night, uh, The milk's colder. Um, you don't have the work or if for our younger listeners, school or college day ahead, like there is a proper magic to night cereal. And there was indeed a proper magic to no mercy. And because for a change, WWE were mindful that the whole world might not be watching their show. Imagine <laughs> that. Imagine that. Um, yes. A real, a what culture, real reason. Um, they put the AJ Styles, John Cena, Dean Ambrose title match on first because they were legitimately terrified of the audience that the Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump debate circus was going to do. You remember those things. If you've not blocked them out of your mind, I mean, they're devastating to even think about now, quite honestly. Um, just about as far removed from global politics, from deciding who the most powerful person in the world was going to be, as you can imagine. <laughs> but as a result, unmissable from millions of voting Americans, 100 million voting Americans by all accounts. That's what the first debate apparently did. And WWE were so threatened by one that was going to be running head to head with the majority of No Mercy that they decided to get their important business done first and let Dolph Ziggler and The Miz and others deal with the consequences of absolutely nobody streaming this show on the network. Just love the idea of someone tuning in a little bit late going, oh, what? What usual, you know, curtain jerking fair have I missed? Have they have they put the women out there? Have they put the intercom? No, they put the world title out there first. I think I've told you the story <laughs> off air before. Uh, I, when I used to work in the the radio industry, we used to put on a big big event every year and get loads of pop stars on it. And one year we were lucky enough to get Ed Sheeran. I think he owed, randomly owed the radio station a favor or pulled out an event and said, "I'll I'll make it up to you," sort of thing. So we had Ed Sheeran, but. Due to, I think he was playing in a in, in a different gig the same night in a completely different city. Due to that, he performed first on the night, <laughs> and the next week we got this angry email from a parent who turned up the show half an hour later. Went, "Who I missed then? Is it uh, like uh, some crap boy band or whatever?" And whoever was there was like, "No, Ed Sheeran. He, he's already he's been and gone, mate." And he's like, "What? No, my kids wanted to see Ed Sheeran." But yeah, I'd like, it was nice to get the world title match first on No Mercy. It was a pleasant surprise, I thought. In, uh, in UK time, especially, because if that really was what you're tuning in for, you could go to bed, you'd be done. You've heard us, like me and you specifically, rant on about when these papers wrap up at like half one, two o'clock in the morning. Back then, that was a gift. Uh, sticking with the, the subject of pay-per-views, though. Big year for pay-per-views 2016, wasn't it? Massive. Uh, too big, you might say. It was... Um, <laughs> There was a record set in 2016, which sadly would be broken in the years that followed. 
um, the brand split, which otherwise I was hugely positive of, and even brand exclusive pay-per-views. I'm, I'm a big fan of fundamentally. I think it keeps the shows on islands. It makes it special when the wrestlers come back together for things like the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. So broadly speaking, I'm in favour of all of that. However, less so am I in favour of both shows having a show, both brands having a pay-per-view virtually every single month. So the brand split happens in July. You've got SummerSlam in August. And then in September, October and December, so the months that weren't the Survivor Series, Raw and SmackDown had pay-per-views. That amounted to 17 monthly pay-per-views, plus I think it was five NXT takeovers that year, maybe four. You're dealing with about 21, 22 you have to go out of your way to see these shows, events. And the problem, of course, was that this was the, the big time when we started realising that minutes viewed on the network were key. Mm. So these shareholders were getting all sorts of bonuses for the reported minutes watched. So you would have to tune into these four-hour events that only needed to be two. Like, we've said this before. It's the one thing we can kind of thank the pandemic for, isn't it? Like, they can't justify these events anymore, <laughs> like in, in the Performance Centre or in the Thunderdome. So I don't welcome a return to this. We're kind of, we're about up to sort of, with Saudi Arabia now and obviously NXT takeovers, two-night WrestleManias and all that, we're kind of, it's become the norm, but it certainly didn't feel that way then. Um, so much so, and I love this, I love this, that their obsession with the Road to WrestleMania branding resulted in Roadblock in February being recycled in December as... We want to get to the road to WrestleMania, but there's a bloody roadblock in the way. And then somebody put the hand up, terrified in a creative meeting to Vincent Mann, and be like, we've, uh, we've, we've done that, boss. And he's like, oh, I don't know, it's the end of the line, isn't it? Just call it that. Like, And they literally did. Roadblock end of the line was the distinguisher between roadblock December, roadblock February. Um, both are pretty good shows, actually, but that's never happened. Um, that I can think of in one calendar year before then. And brilliantly, they've never used Roadblock since. There's not been a Roadblock since. They rolled it, out, rolled it out twice in 2016 and then just banned it off forever. I genuinely forgot that they... I remember the, the first one you alluded to, the Triple H Dean Ambrose one, because I sat yeah. there going, maybe, maybe they'll switch mm-hmm. off and have Ambrose versus... Ray. Oh, no, Triple H just, Triple H just wins. Triple H just wins. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, uh, but yeah, the one at the end of the year, headlined by Kevin Owens and, and Roman Reigns. Ending on DQ. It was the um the Iron Woman match between Charlotte and Sasha that was really good. Um, I the rest was a lot of fluff. But it was the end of the line, wasn't it? Now we can now that we've gotten over that roadblock, we can finally start the road to WrestleMania that might have itself our roadblock to hurdle over. The car stuff. Just love it. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Let's talk a little bit about Charlotte Flair because it's a hell of a year for her. It's, I'm trying to encompass a few entries of this list here because she was she was setting and breaking records in 2016. And you sort of allude to this in the article. This was before everyone got sick of her. <laughs> yeah, like she was so awesome in 2016. And the problem came is that fans at this point, bear in mind, this is the same year that Roman Reigns was booed out the building at WrestleMania 32. So they'd long grown sick of what they believed to be the pushed pet project. Um, and Charlotte Flair was pushed so like heavily in 2016 and warranted all of it. Like the feud of Sasha Banks was amazing, total bangers. Um, that by 2017, 2018, fans were doing the same thing again. They were resenting it that she was, it was about then that she started getting the, the new Roman Reigns tag mm-hmm. and the booze were raining down on her, even if she was working babyface. Um, Cause she just, one loads if you remember um they went to great trouble to establish an awesome pay-per-view record for charlotte in 2016 which if you don't remember i've outlined it in this list for you she was on of those 17 pay-per-views 17 pay-per-views she wrestled on 13 of them and won every single one of her singles matches uh and triple threat matches she survived in the survivor series tag team match and the only tag match she lost was in that amazing battleground match where Bailey was Sasha Banks' mystery. Oh. Like, like 2016 makes you make those noises the more you think about it. Really good year, right? Loads of happy memories. That was her only defeat on paper for you that year. And just to quick, just go, go back there. Sorry, very briefly to interrupt you, just to go back there. Battleground, when we were all there going, who's Sasha's partner going to be? I mean, it has to be Bailey, doesn't it? It has to be, it has to be Bailey. This was before WWE went, it's Dana Brooke, or no, but <laughs> it was something like that, akin to just give us what we want. I don't care if it's a surprise that I know's coming. I know I'm gonna get a cake on my birthday, but I still sell for it every single bloody year. Yeah, it's it, it's like now if that was the setup, they'd somehow go, "It's Charlotte Flair," and well, hang on, how's she on the, <laughs> it's her anyway. Um, yeah, it, like. The work was amazing. You, of course, got like the... It wasn't the best of the Sasha Banks Hell in a Cell matches, but it was a pretty good and history-making Hell in a Cell with Sasha Banks. They had better matches throughout the year, um, which we could, I guess, like segue on to next. But just to briefly touch on this pay-per-view record, the work they put into this goddamn thing, man. Like, she just hadn't lost. 
And you're probably thinking to yourself, aren't you, Will Bond? And I haven't done the uh, the 2017 list yet. So no spoilers. Oh, yeah. You're probably thinking to yourself, oh yeah, they yeah, they probably got this all the way to wrestle. I mean, you know, they've got they've got through roadblock over the line. That's got to be the last roadblock, hasn't well, it? Well, for uh, me, yeah, she either she either loses it at the Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble will kind of make sense, or she loses it at WrestleMania. That that's the only two options for me. Royal Rumble's a good shout, you see, but she fought Bailey, who uh, she beat at the Royal Rumble. So yep. uh, so no worries there. Yeah, she lost against Bailey at the uh, the February show. Uh, that's, that was that. One of my favourite Brian Alvarez breakdowns, that. Frittered away. <laughs> <laughs> Frittered away. is the Like they ended up in a fatal four-way at WrestleMania. Three horsewomen yep. and Nia Jax. <laughs> <laughs> Who I didn't include on this one, but a bit of trivia for you. Uh, this, was on the, this was on the list of... Uh, I tried to compile about like 14, 15, and then drill it down into 10. I didn't think there was enough meat on this bone because I did think people might have already been aware of this. Her first squash in that pretty enjoyable run she had in 2016 because everything was good. Would you care to guess which current AEW wrestler laid down for that devastating Nia Jax leg drop and did sustain a minor legitimate injury? Because, of course, she did. But who was that? Has nothing but nice things to say about her after the fact. I will say that. I feel like I know this, but I can't Mm -hmm. pinpoint it. I remember... Didn't Nia, Nia was Nia was frittered away at, at uh, <laughs> the February pay per view in 2017 as well, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh no, actually, wait a second. Was it DMD? It was Doctor Britt Baker yeah. DMD. Well, I feel like we've like swapped chairs. This is quite exciting. I see why you love being quiz myself. I felt like I had all the power for a second. It was go back and check it out. Squashes on YouTube. I'm pretty sure she goes in a bit too hard on a face and yeah. like blood, bloodies her up a little bit. But Britt Baker does say like she's just got generally nice things to say when I read upon it. I was I'll, I'll be honest. I was like looking for a little bit of heat. I thought let's include that if there's a little <laughs> bit of like there wasn't really any to be found. But yeah, Britt Baker lays down for Nijax. Uh, and you alluded to, to it just a second ago, Charlotte and Sasha, again, setting records, breaking records and, well, main eventing for, 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 the, for women for the first time in bloody ages. Yeah, like, you know how WWE love to celebrate how, you know, like, I know that everybody got progressive in the 2010s, but we had uh, Lita and Trish on Raw in 2004. Come on, guys, get with the programme. And then they just did nothing for 12 years. 12 <laughs> years before the women got a main event. And uh, and Charlotte and Sasha got it twice, which was pretty awesome. Um, so that was their little bit of history. No two women had, or maybe even have, I'd need to go back and check, main evented Raw twice against each other. Um, but Charlotte and Sasha did over sort of about three months in October and November. Uh, they'd first wrestled on Raw for the title in July. If you remember, it was hot potato all year with a belt. Yeah. So Sasha, Sasha defeated Charlotte on a Raw. Charlotte won it back on a pay-per-view. Sasha won it back on this main event of Raw. Charlotte won it back at Hell in a Cell. Sasha won it again in an awesome uh, no-holds-barred Falls Count Anywhere match, again on a Raw. And then Charlotte won it finally at that aforementioned roadblock. She was developing this awesome pay-per-view streak while Sasha was kind of able to beat her on television, but then not defend it. Mm. If you remember, this was used to awesome effect in 2020 when that streak continued for Sasha. She won the women's title against Asuka on that Raw where Bailey beat up um, Kairi Sane backstage and then she lost it at SummerSlam. She had this curse on her. She couldn't win on pay-per-view. She couldn't win at Hell in a Cell and they gave you all of it in the, uh, the great Sasha and Bailey payoff in 2020. It was something... I mean, it's a 
goddamn crime that Sasha Banks couldn't win in a title match on a pay-per-view for four frigging years. But at least in the end, like it came good as a way to pay it off against Bailey. Mm. And I just uh, the, they got the visual here on this article, but I distinctly remember as soon as you talked about them feuding and fighting for the belts and main eventing and what have you, that bank statement through the oh. the walk. I don't know what I don't know what it's called, but it's like a it's like a people separator on steps, isn't it? Yeah. Like the like a uh, a banister thing with a little gap in that, like you would need to be a fairly lithe athlete to fit yeah. through that gap. And Charlotte Flair gets pretzeled through the thing in a bank statement. <laughs> um, Michael Sidgwick often talks uh, on podcasts about dovetailing, and I, I love the fact that this podcast can dovetail back into another podcast of ours, our Q and A podcast recently, so we can talk about Bray Wyatt being a baby face. I. I've accidentally uh, resulted in this becoming like one of the sort of primary content centre points of the month because this rocked up in one of our very own Gareth Morgan's lists as well. Um, And I spotted some conversation about it on Twitter. And I think because I mentioned it in a podcast and he brought it up in an article, like we both got tagged in a piece where somebody had just isolated the gif of Bray Wyatt doing the no look point at the spear. Uh, yeah, it's obviously, it must be a five-year thing. How do we really love going, going back to meaningless anniversaries? Here at What Culture, we just, for a month, want to talk about this thing that nobody talks about, which is Bray Wyatt being class. Uh, it's just so in keeping with the rough look Bray had in this gimmick. Um, just as traditional and as boring and as standard and as mid as WWE gets, Roman Reigns is out there talking about being the guy. League of Nations like, oh, you're not the guy, we're the guy. When like everybody watching, it's very evident that nobody's the guy. The only person who's the guy is Shane McMahon, who comes out and says, I want to see myself a tag match later on. And then it's Bray Wyatt to make the save for Roman Reigns, not another baby face, not one of the Shield, Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins. It's Bray Wyatt. He's like, so far, career rival. And the match is brilliant. The match is absolutely brilliant. Bray Wyatt seems to revel in getting these cheers and of course when you're teaming with Roman Reigns you're getting all the cheers aren't you like nobody wants to cheer it's like every tag to Bray Wyatt is the, is the hot tag even if Bray's been selling for five minutes because they're just glad to see him in the ring and he gets the pin of course with that like often gift and sadly never duplicated finish where they looked like they were going to be this superpowers tag team Bray got injured uh, and then he disappeared off television for three months and came back into a feud with Randy Orton and that never ends badly does it never mm-hmm. Quite the, uh, just very briefly, quite the year for injuries to 2016, though, wasn't it? Oh, chaos, man. Absolute chaos. So this, of course, was the um, WrestleMania needing its full healthy roster to sell its 100,000 tickets, lest WWE have to make some strange excuses as to how they got their number. Seth Rollins went down, of course, in 2015, having had that um, like long title run. Remember that video footage of the house show where his knee bends against Kane? Oh. Um Finn Balor was unable to get back in time for WrestleMania. Or I think might have debuted, like, re-debuted the night after, perhaps, because um, he just wasn't fully fit. And John Cena, most notably, um, having had that amazing run um, as the US champion in 2015, it seemed to catch up with him. The guy that was so rarely injured, working his style, suddenly thought, I'll try what you guys do, and then got knacked and ended up <laughs> not, being able to, not being able to. I don't want to do your segue for you potentially if you were going to bring this one up but not being able to do what you mentioned him saying I'm working 12 hours a day for six weeks I'm going to try and defy science and the time John Cena fails to defy science 
he said he was going to defy science um, and everyone because of 2008 believed him. <laughs> he tweeted like as late as February that he was going to defy science and work WrestleMania because he'd been told it wasn't going to happen. And I went and had a look at the replies to the original tweet and most people are like, oh, please be at WrestleMania. We, we can't wait to see you work at WrestleMania. So the belief was because of the precedent he'd set by his superhuman recovery times that he'd just be there and he didn't make it. Yeah, he, uh, he it's good of him. He got dressed. He got dressed for work. Yeah. Wore his uniform. He came out in all his gear. Helped the Rock banter off the Wyatt family. But uh, yeah, for a change, it wasn't a B for John Cena. Mm. That classic six-second match at WrestleMania <laughs> for a twenty-seven-minute main event, <sighs> which literally I can only remember because Roman Reigns spears Stephanie McMahon. And actually, no, two things I remember. Aside from the title, the finish and the title win, Stephanie's weird promo and the, the spooky skeleton people. Yeah. Of, of which you know the Enzo's in one of the masks. Yeah. And I think, anyway, you know, more about John Cena finally. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because I was astonished. This genuinely was something that surprised me. John Cena going, I don't think we need AJ Styles. Like, imagine that now when you look at what he's done over the last five years. It's, I know, you know, people say, oh, well, maybe you're scared about people taking this spot. I don't think by that point John Cena was that concerned, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, but mad that he thought that they didn't need one of the greatest wrestlers of the generation. Yeah, it's, it's not a great look, this. And it was the first thing I went to. It's the first thing I went looking for when I started writing this article because I'd had, I'd had this memory of this Arn Anderson anecdote. I think it was from the, obviously when he started in the Conrad podcast, you see you see quotes from those guests all the time now. Like if you're needing a story, it's an Arn Anderson tale or it's going to soon be a Jeff Jarrett one or whatever. But this was one of them little, very revealing insights into the top table conversations in WWE because like Arn says it, and I, I certainly won't misquote him. Um, I'll read it quickly here. He says, so he was sitting with John Cena one afternoon and he said, he being on Anderson, pronouns pal. He said, it would really beef up the company if we went and stole Bobby Roode, AJ Styles and James Storm. If you brought those three guys in, it would give you a whole plethora of new opponents. It would give you guys a lot of new opponents. John looked at me and said, we've got NXT. We make our own stars. I'm sure he was just transferring Vince's psychology to me when he said that, but I knew at the time what those guys could do in the match for John. Now, I think Arn Anderson's right there. I think John Cena is the quintessential company man. Yeah, I think he's broken the mold for what it is to be Vince's top guy. And it's why nobody will be Vince's top guy ever again, because nobody else can be John Cena. And I think in his mind, while he's busy learning the piano and learning to speak Chinese for the good of WWE's promotion in China, he's probably not stopping to think, why should we get guys from TNA? What's the point in building that performance center if it's not farting out stars of the future? Like I, I, don't believe it's rooted in cynicism. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But for him to, like James Storm worked two dates for NXT and just thought better of it, went back to Impact. But for him to name check, first of all, a Bobby Roode, a guy who hasn't really lit the world on fire in the main roster, but was a joy on NXT, having been a guy that looked like he was going to slip through the cracks in Impact. Like he'd been so beloved for a while in Impact and then just like time and time again was let down by that company as fans deserted and thought, oh, well, never mind. We enjoyed our moment in the sun with Bobby Roode. And for what that NXT, NXT operating at the peak of its powers, for what that did for his character was just tremendous. Like, nobody has sad memories of the, the proper glorious run. But AJ Styles, like, the irony is not lost. Because 
you don't like if John Cena would have never faced AJ Styles, it's a pretty insane thing to say that your roster doesn't need AJ Styles. But the fact that the only guy he replicated that 2015 form with was AJ Styles <laughs> makes this even sillier. Like their series in 2016 was awesome. They had what a lot of people consider the 2017 United States match of the year in January mm-hmm. at the Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, like these were seen as last great epics and they were with AJ. And he was just, to him, obviously in the context of this conversation with Art Anderson, you might as well have just been like this rookie just starting out. Well, if he's not come through the uh, performance centre and learn how to stare at his hands, why would we need him on? Tell me that. Tell me that. I, 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 I love that. I love how like sort of almost innocently naive he could be to the, the wrestling world around him. Just just bonkers that, isn't it? Uh, thankfully, yeah, Arn didn't listen because what a difference maker AJ Styles was over since since his arrival at the Royal Rumble in 2016, of course. Five years. Five years of AJ Styles. Time goes backwards in WWE, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, I, did a, I did a list the other day about Vince saying, I wish he could have signed AJ Styles 10 years prior to that. So there's even more what could have been. But thankfully, we did got did get that. And uh, I really like this. Hopefully, we'll, we'll go back and cover some more. Uh, I don't know. Like you say, you've, you've gone back and it's nice to, to reminisce, especially, you know, all the way back in 2010 and 2012 and what have you. Slightly more dread coming your way as you head towards 2018, 2019. <laughs> Well, this is it, because like I said at the top of the podcast, the news comes through quicker. The churn goes at a greater rate. Um, I'm genuinely worried that by 2019, like I'll have forgotten the things that I'm supposed to have forgotten about 2019, because it's just like, oh, yeah, it was 2019. Was it 2019 or 2018, the year that they ran the show shortly after a journalist had been murdered in Saudi Arabia? I just don't know. I'm going to go back and check for myself. Like, it's just, yeah, the things are about to get weird. (laughs) Basically, yeah. we're, about, we're about a year off the content era. Yeah, I uh, enjoy reading this because I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, I remember that and the, the Royal Rumble and this happening and that happening. Closer we get to, to current day, I'm going to have work flashbacks. Oh, God, I remember that pay-per-view. Oh, no, <laughs> oh, I can't. I just need to have a little sit down in a, in a dark room for a while. But, yeah, check out this. Like, article. Like, for, for my future lists, actually, I might just see if I can, like, hack your... Um, like counsellor's phone and just like see the notes that they've been taking on all these sessions as you've been laying back on the couch trying to get this all out of your system every Tuesday afternoon. Right, what did you record today, Adam? Right, where shall I start? I'm not sure if it's possible on our website, but uh, if you want an audio entry for Helen Nacelle, I can just scream into my phone. From the- <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what noises you make into your phone. <laughs> it all come out sounding like Lily. Uh, but yeah, read this and read all the other uh, articles in this series up at whatculture.com. 10 things you didn't know about WWE in this one was almost 2016, but they go back to, to 2010, as, as Hamlet has mentioned there. And let us know your thoughts uh, about five years ago. God, we're old. Uh, on Twitter, at whatculturewwe. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts and check out more of these lists up at whatculture.com now. But this has been another top 10 debate. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.